0: All right, Alexander, let's uh, talk about Biden's trip to Kiev, a trip that he said he would not take, but he made it to Kiev. I believe now he's on his way to Poland. Uh, Actually, I think the, the story goes that he went to Poland. He didn't tell anybody. This was all very secretive. He went to Poland. From Poland, he went to Kiev, and now he's going back to Poland, so they can prepare for the one-year uh, anniversary sanctions announcement, weapons announcement for the uh, conflict in Ukraine. Whatever they're they're cooking up. But uh, before he went to Kiev, he uh, he got the permission of the Russians. Yes, and I think this is think overlooked, and we overlook is- it a lot, and I, I overlook it all the time, which is that. Every world leader, or I believe every world leader that goes to Kiev absolutely calls the Russians and gets the Russians permission to travel to Kiev. So the Russians, they know what's going on. And and my hunch, it's just my hunch, tells me that they're more than happy to see Biden in Kiev for various reasons, both PR, domestic reasons in the U.S., because it looks bad for Biden, for Biden to go to Ukraine, especially now. But uh, I think that it shows that things are not going well for the collective West with Ukraine. So I think the the Russians are not bothered at this by this at all. That's my hunch. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Well, I agree with that. First of all, just to say, I mean, this is the hush, hush, top secret. Visit that uh, nobody knew about, except of course the Russians, because they were told about it in advance. I mean, who exactly is this being kept a secret from? (laughs) It's been kept a secret from you and me. I mean, it wasn't just a secret. I mean, there were actual flat denials in advance of the visit that Biden was actually going to Kiev. You know, there was there were questions about is he going to go to Kiev? The White House said absolutely not. No, he's definitely not going there. But of course, the Russians were told that he was. And I'm sure you're right. I am sure that all the world leaders, or were to say world leaders, all the European leaders, all the Western leaders who go to Kiev are very, very careful before they go to Kiev to let Moscow know that they're going there so as to make sure that no Russian cruise missiles or bombs or whatever fall on Kiev whilst they're there, some of which might go astray. And land on them. So it's a visit carried out to Kiev, exactly as you said, with Russian permission. And that's something that nobody has ever talked about, ever talks about. But you're absolutely right. It's been confirmed this time. This time we know that this was the case. And it is important. Why are the Russians allowing these visits to Kiev to take place? Why are they allowing Biden to go to, visit to Kiev? Why did they previously allow Johnson and Scholz and Macron and Ursula and Borrell and all of these other people to go to Kiev, the Poles to go to Kiev? Why are they doing all of that? Because, of course, it confirms to their own people, to people in Russia, look, it's not just Ukraine we're fighting, it's the entire collective West, they're behind this war, they show the same to the rest of the world it's not a war between us and ukraine it is a war between us and the west and i think you're absolutely right i mean it pins biden down it makes it absolutely clear that he's now the person who's tied up with ukraine he's he's the person who's committed the united states to this war at precisely the time when all the opinion polls show that support for the war in the United States is flagging, that more and more Americans are turning against it. They're starting to say increasingly that um, the United States should take a secondary role. It should distance itself from it. It's not um, something that they want to see the United States go on being involved in. So that, of course, begs the next question. Why then did Biden go? And I'm going to say briefly, I think there are two reasons. I think if he went to Warsaw, if he went to um, met up with all the European leaders and didn't go to Kiev, it would be embarrassing. And there might be some people who would say, well, was he scared? And I think that's a difficult call for any U.S. president to find himself You know, that kind of charge is made. I think the other reason, and it's actually one that was in the headline story in the Financial Times when they announced this visit, Financial Times being a hardline neocon newspaper, by the way. And I suspect this headline is going to be changed very quickly if it hasn't been already. But it said Biden goes to Ukraine to shore up support for Ukraine. In other words, he's gone there because doubts are proliferating. Lots of people are becoming sceptical. The uh, military in the Pentagon is doubtful. Many of the European leaders are, at least not maybe the leaders, but people within the European bureaucracies are becoming doubtful. There's worries about ammunition shortages. There's worries about weapons supplies. There's also worries about the Republicans in Congress hardening in their opposition against the war. And the war itself is not going well for Ukraine. And Biden, who is, I think, very personally invested in supporting Ukraine, both politically now, because he's made such a big play of it, and emotionally, and perhaps for all kinds of other reasons, um, he's gone to Ukraine basically to shore up support, to try to force all the doubters to come back on side, to still their doubts, to say publicly the President of the United States is still there, he's still committed to the war, he still wants to see it fought to the last Ukrainian, even though he's still not able to come up with any real proposal or idea of of how
0: he sees the war ending. yeah as long as it takes that's what they keep on telling us but i think that's what they're telling themselves to be honest i think that's their kind of coping mechanism but uh, the the announcement is allegedly going to be tomorrow they're going to they're going to come out with the, the firm numbers from what i understand but allegedly it's going to be 500 million in uh, in aid to ukraine military aid but that doesn't if it's 500 million if that is the number that we're being led to believe that doesn't cover F-16s and long-range missiles, I don't think that would be a $500 million uh, spent. That would, no. that yeah. would signify yeah. that, that the, the, the Aletsky regime is getting uh, pretty much a lot of the same, but none of the big ticket items that they've uh, been pushing for.
1: Well, indeed. And I mean, there are problems to supply the big ticket items. I mean, it's clear European militaries are not keen on sending Leopard 2s. I mean, this has been one of the... uh, uh, I mean, this is all that drama back in January about sending Leopard 2 tanks to to Ukraine, the pressure that was put on uh, Scholz to get him to agree to send those Leopard 2s. Eventually, he buckled, as he always does, and he agreed to supply the Leopard 2s. And When that happened, they weren't forthcoming. By the way, there's just been a report in the Times that even the Challenger 2s that the British said they were going to send, they're not going there in anything like the number initially that people thought they would. So the British said 14, which already doesn't sound that impressive. That's now been whittled down to (laughs) 4. There's going to be another 10 later. Nobody seems to know quite when. But, you know, these tanks are coming in dribs and drabs, European militaries aren't keen to part with their tanks. Borrell is now talking about, you know, everybody must come together and take all their old tanks out of warehouses, take all their shells, all the, you know, 155 millimetre shells that we've got. We've got to plunder our warehouses and all our kit to Ukraine. But, I mean, you know, that is, there isn't any huge enthusiasm for that either. And, of course, the fighter planes... Well, lots of talk about that a few weeks ago. That seems to have dimmed. Of course, it might be revived at any time, but there do seem to be enormous problems about sending fighter jets. The British, it's on again and off again. They're going to train the fighter pilots, but they're probably not going to send their own typhoon fighters to Ukraine until after the war is ended, which doesn't seem to me to help Ukraine very much. And the US military is now telling Ukraine, look, We can't provide you with attack missiles because we don't have enough (laughs) even for ourselves, let alone for you and the Patriot missiles that we were hearing so much about a few weeks ago. Well, no sign of those might be the end of the year, might even be next year, apparently. But we have to make these things before we can send them. So um, more of the same, more javelins, which haven't apparently done performed particularly well. More javelins, more ammunition, but of course we don't have much of that left, but presumably more high-mass missiles, more shells, that kind of thing. $500 million is a flea bite compared to what the US has already sent to Ukraine, over $100 billion and counting. (laughs) And
0: um, it's not going to change the war. There are some reports that uh, that are coming out, which claim that Biden is pushing Oleksiy to uh, to go on the offensive. Well, there's two reports. One report is one, one's an interview with uh, with uh, with I believe I believe an Italian uh, publication, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. But he Claudio did an interview Serra, and he yeah. said he's now kind of yeah he's now kind of walking back his we're going to hold on to Bakhmut for for as long as it takes. And he's kind of saying now that he's ready to retreat or retreating from Bakhmut is an option. There's that side. But then there's other reports which claim that Biden, along with Jake Sullivan, Jake Sullivan also accompanied Biden, uh, that they're pushing the Ukraine military, Aletsky, to go on the offensive Um any truth to that? And what do you make of those? Reports? I believe,
1: we, we don't know for a fact that this is the case, but I believe it is true. By the way, on, on Zelensky's interview to uh, uh, um, Corriera de la Serra, can I say straight away, I don't think we should place too much weight on it. If Zelensky made a broadcast in Kiev to the Ukrainian people, he does regular broadcasts, I think almost every day, in which he said that, you know, the situation in bakhmut has become critical for the sake of the survival of our soldiers, we pulling back from Bakhmut. Well, I would take that very seriously. But what he says to an Italian newspaper, he can walk back tomorrow. I mean, that's the kind of person that Zelensky is. I don't think we should be taking that altogether seriously. The fact is, the news from Bakhmut has been very bad over the last few days. A couple of days ago, the Russians captured an important village. Actually, let's not call them villages. These are basically suburbs close to Bakhmut itself. Like Solidar, was really a big suburb of Bakhmut. But they captured another one called Krasnaya Gora, which apparently is on the high ground. They then leveraged their position over Krasnaya Gora to attack and capture another place called Paraskovievka. And by the way, the Russian Defence Ministry has just confirmed that that particular village is now also in Russian hands. Then... There's more reports today that the Russians are getting very close to capturing a third village called Ber- Berhova, uh, which apparently is will enable them to take control of, um, um, you know, one of the last roads, perhaps the last road leading into Bakhmut, and apparently a Ukrainian counterattack of a day or so ago was unsuccessful. So. The situation in Bakhmut is very bad. So Zelensky gets asked questions about Bakhmut by Cordillera de della Sera. He says we're going to retreat. We might retreat. I don't think you should put too much credence in that. What he's doing instead, what he was doing right through the time of the Biden visit, is he was talking up instead claims that the Ukrainians are successful in another part of the battlefront in Vugledar, where supposedly they're successfully defending against the Russians and they're inflicting heavy casualties on the Russians. This is not something anybody can confirm, but there's far less information about what comes from Vugledar than there is about Bakhmut, so you talk about that. And I, I don't think that there's been any real shift in Zelensky's positions. But about this counter-offensive, I, I have to say I believe it. The Pentagon has advised against it. They've told Ukraine that they need to spend months training properly first on how to use all this equipment. They've made it very clear that they think that recapturing Crimea isn't something Ukraine can do. There doesn't seem to be much sense in getting a couple of hundred tanks if Ukraine ever gets that number and a couple of hundred infantry fighting vehicles and putting untrained Ukrainian troops into them and then launching them against prepared Russian defences in an offensive that everybody's been hearing about and talking about and discussing and debating for weeks and months. Remember the Russians never talk about their offensives. We're left speculating about those but about Ukraine we always hear Weeks in advance, months in advance about their, prepare, their offensives. Nobody who has any military background that I've seen, apart from you know the usual suspects, uh, Austin, Ben Hodges and the rest, seems to think that these offen- this Ukrainian offensive is a good idea. But I think Biden and Sullivan probably are pushing the Ukrainians against the pentagon's advice to launch that kind of offensive because i think there is a time window now and i mean you know we're getting lots of reports about this there's more doubts about the war starting to grow there's equipment issues starting to grow we discussed in an earlier video that it looks as if the military is saying in the us military is saying you've got until midsummer to sort this out Uh, And then it ends. So they want some kind of breakthrough before the summer. So they're pushing Ukraine into an offensive. And I think that is what's going to happen. And I think we're going to see that at some point over the next few weeks. And it's probably the biggest mistake Ukraine can make. But I would not be surprised personally if one of the reasons Biden went to Kiev was to push the Ukrainians into doing it.
0: Yeah, do it with what? With, with, Doing I mean, it with what? Yeah, with all the they're out of ammo, tank. they're out of equipment. That's that's what we're hearing at least. Yeah. So, what kind yeah. of offensive are they gonna are they gonna mount? Unless unless they know something that that all of us don't know.
1: Well, look, all of us um, don't. Well, it's always but, possible. I, I mean, I don't know what yeah. it is though, and I can't work out what it is. I mean, you know, Borel is talking about you know, let's strip ourselves of all our remaining ammunition from our warehouses, presumably to get the Ukrainians stocked up for this. Um, offensive. I mean, I don't know, but you know, my my impression is that this is the last big throw before before the before the fail. I mean, uh, for me, and I'm sure you know this isn't coincidence. We had this extraordinary comment from Rishi Sunak, the British Prime Minister, that now is the time to double down, and as I pointed out in a recent program on my channel, double down is an expression that comes from the roulette tables. <laughs> I think mean, that's what you do when you're gambling. You double down. And, and you're that are Well, you're losing, exactly. And that's exactly the kind of language that the British Prime Minister is using. And I suspect that's what it's all about now in Ukraine. These people, Biden, Newland, Sullivan, Blinken, all of the rest... As I've said so many times, the neocons—they have no reverse gear. <laughs> so, when they lose, what can they do if you have no reverse gear, except double down?
0: Well, Biden said during his his speech press conference that he gave with uh, with Alensky, he said that the U.S. and the allies—they've already transferred something like, I think he said, seven hundred tanks. Thousands of armored vehicles, billions of artillery shells, and I was listening to Biden. And I'm like, you mean all the all the weapons that Russia has already destroyed? Because the minute he says that we've delivered all these things to Ukraine, but yet you see the EU scrambling for tanks and for ammo and uh, and whatever weapons they can dig up. Like Borel said, you know, go into your warehouse and get tanks that are. Dust, take, the, take the dust off the tanks that are just sitting in your warehouse. That are useless. He said, useless tanks. Find the useless tanks and just give them over to Ukraine. You, you logically come to the conclusion that all of the, the weapons that Biden talked about in his press, press conference with Zelensky uh, with have been destroyed. And now they're trying to find new weapons and, and ammo and artillery shells. So Biden is almost admitting to the fact that Russia has destroyed all of the weapons that, uh, that were already delivered to Ukraine. Actually, I think the foreign intel service of Russia came out with, uh, with a report detailing all of the equipment that they have destroyed from, uh, of Ukraines that were delivered by, by the West. Of course, it's coming from Russian sources, but you take Biden's comments, then you take the information that was published by the, uh, by the Russian side, and that's the conclusion that you come up with and biden also said at the press conference which i found really weird it just it leads me to believe that the the intel services of the us are failing or they're giving biden just wrong information or this is just all about optics biden said the russian economy is uh, isolated uh, pe- people are leaving russia the the the, the, the intellectual uh uh workforce is leaving Russia and and the economy is is collapsing. I mean something along those lines. I was like, what what are you talking? Even the IMF is saying this is not the case. What kind of information are you getting, Biden? I mean, just really I don't know if it was for optics that he's saying that, if he's deliberately lying, if he's getting poor information, if the US's Intel services are failing, wouldn't it be the first yeah. time that US Intel services no, well, have, have failed? I mean, really bizarre statements from from Biden. Very, very
1: bizarre statements. I mean, do bear in mind, I mean, he's getting his information from people who he's appointed ultimately. I mean, you know, the people who are running the intelligence agencies, the national security adviser, of course, Jake Sullivan, they're the people who are briefing him. And they're as invested in the war now as he is himself. So, you know, it's not impossible. That I'm not saying them, you know, just fabricating things, but you can always pick intelligence. You pick the intelligence, the part of the intelligence that you want to believe and you ignore everything else. But it could also be that he's just illusional. And it could also be, and I'm sorry to say this, but I you know, with Biden you have to say this, that he's flat out lying. I mean, bear in mind, Xi Jinping told him to his face. Over the you know when they discussed Taiwan, you know you're lying to me. I mean he didn't use those words, but that was essentially what uh, what he said. I mean, last year, if you remember, he was talking about Russia. Uh, you know the ruble is a, is it, it's been reduced to rubble. It's 200 to the dollar or whatever it was. I mean you know he was saying, I and mean, it just wasn't true. It you know actually factually wasn't true, but he nonetheless said it. So he's saying this. He's ignoring, disregarding the facts. It's quite likely, I think, that he knows that this isn't true, but he nonetheless says it because, as I said, he's got to shore up support, or so he believes. He's got to keep everybody on side. He thinks that because he's the President of the United States, if he says something like that, people will come on side. And unfortunately, to a dangerous extent, people do. I mean, that's what's so frightening about this whole business. But, you know, that's why he talks like this. And you're absolutely right. It's it is It does make a surreal sight. And it does make you wonder, not just about the truth of what he's saying about the Russian economy and about the information he's getting about the Russian economy, but about the truth and information he's getting about everything else.
0: Yeah. A- any final thoughts with this trip?
1: I think that... Um, it is an important trip, and I say why not because anything was said there, or anything is coming out of it. But I think we can now say definitely. I think you know that there's been some discussion about whether Biden's been manipulated by his advisers um, right the way through this war. I think, to the extent that Biden is able to make decisions, he is clearly somebody who's committed to this war at a personal level. We saw that with the Nord Stream affair, we're seeing this again with his trip to uh, Kiev. he's come out now publicly, he's identified himself with the war. We can't expect, or so it seems to me, any fundamental change of policy by the United States about Ukraine or about Russia or about anything related to these two countries until Biden
0: himself leaves the White House. Yeah, the the US is going to continue to fight Russia even when yeah. the war in Ukraine is over. They're absolutely, going to continue absolutely. to fight Russia absolutely. until, until gonna... Biden Biden is, is voted out because they're all emotionally vested in this and this is very exactly. dangerous. I mean Exactly. You know, exactly. You can't have I mean, this... these leaders so emotionally invested in this conflict.
1: Exactly. I mean he's too cl- he's he's I mean I have to say this, he's far too close to this. He feels far too close to this. I mean I mean, given his connections to Ukraine which we've discussed at length in many programmes, you know, as vice-president and before. Um, perhaps it was to be expected, but um, he, he is too close to it, and he's never going to disengage, and he's clearly got this enormous visceral... He shares this visceral obsession with Russia that the neocons do, and he will never let go. He will never change, and as long as he remains president of the United States, that will continue.
0: And Russia is aware of this. And Russia is aware of this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We'll end it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are on Rockfin as well. And go to the Duran shop, 10% off. Use the code Good Day. Take care.